Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. I actually just did a very extended recording on YouTube, Status Satama. I will not be sharing that during the podcast because I believe anybody following me on the podcast does not deserve to suffer hearing things they already know. And I think most of you are very brilliant people. So I'm not going to bore you with it. Tevin Campbell. Let's just go ahead and get through the particulars and then I got some updates for you. First, of course, CryptoTalkRadio.net is the site. We appreciate if you'd share it out to anybody that you think would find interest in our coverage. We are getting more subscribers on the notifications that we've got set up on the site so we know people are going there and signing up for the alerts for new episodes coming their way. In the near future, we will be sending written updates through that medium as well. So anytime we have some updates that don't warrant a separate audio announcement, that would be our conduit. But in order to receive those, you would need to go to CryptoTalkRadio.net, the little widgets right there if you scroll down and enter your email address and it will inform you anytime we publish something, whether it's a new episode or something of writing. That also has a replacement that we're working on for when we get to a new host. We need to build a replacement of that utility, but we plan to keep that utility. We want to make sure that we're able to talk to you directly and that you're able to reach us directly. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or feedback, you can scroll down on the page and we have a comments feedback widget. Submit that. We read all of them and we appreciate any feedback that you would share. We always look at them and we take action where we can. I'm not going to cover any news today, uh, external news, I should say, and I'm not going to cover an underdog token. I'll briefly talk about a couple, but I'm not going to do the extended coverage. This will be a short episode because of the internal updates I need to share with you. Make sure you're aware of because I've already kind of covered this on casual talk radio Uh, combat. I'm not too much worried about because that's every Friday deal on YouTube only. But for you guys, I feel it's important that I inform you about what what's going on. So I got my call back that I was expecting from my third party entity. Uh, It wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear, but it is moving things in the right direction. We're about 99% sure that we're going to move forward with my plan to get the heck out of Nevada. What this means is that I'm going to need to move some things around. I don't expect to change the recording schedule, but like with casual talk radio, I had to actually temporarily stop the guest screener because I don't want to have to reschedule any guests or anything. And once we get confirmation, there's a couple of key dates for those that follow the show religiously. There's a couple of key dates you're going to want to know. If this goes forward as I expect it should, because I don't see any reason why it shouldn't, but who knows these days. But if it goes forward, plan is that this new endeavor would start on May 2nd. That doesn't change anything as far as the recording of the show. You're still going to get the Tuesday and Thursday uploads. I'm still going to be doing YouTube uploads on a irregular to regular basis. Basically, that happens whenever I feel like doing it. So all that's going to be the same. The type of coverage is going to be the same. Later, and the plan is around the 16th of May, then I need to actually make the move out to where I need to go. That's where it's going to get a little bit sketchy. Because of the method of travel that I've selected, because I refuse to deal with the nonsense that is the sardine cans. Right now, the plan is that I would potentially take a rental car up to Denver and then take Denver to my final destination. Or, excuse me, take a train to my final destination. Or simply take the rental car all the way through. I haven't decided that part yet, but that's up in the air. The reason that I'm letting you know that is that, of course, that means I'm going to be on the road for about 24 hours. The plan is to do this over a weekend, 
so it won't disrupt the recording of the show. But in the event something happens, a delay or whatever, then I would let you know if there's something that's going to affect the Tuesday upload, I'd tell you in advance. So you'll know that because there's such a span of time between that Thursday episode and the next Tuesday. Basically, I would upload an out of cycle update for you guys so you're aware if there's going to be any delay to that following Tuesday episode. And those that are subscribed on Substack through the widget on CryptoTalkRadio.net will receive a written update letting me know, letting you guys know where things are with me and what's going on. As it stands, it should be pretty clean. The problem is not getting up there. The problem is what I do when I get there. So I've got to then figure out the living arrangement. It is egregiously expensive up there. Arguably way more expensive than any, it's not more expensive than where I am, but it's more expensive than what I would expect given where it is. Have to figure that all out. My contact seems to think we can work it out. So I've got to finish that negotiation. I already signed the contract for the agreement part of it. So we should be good to go. But again, things happen. If anything changes between now and the execution of this plan, I would let you know if there's any effect in the uploads for the show. So that's all in the works right now. The other part of internal news, I'll let you know. Um, I have added a couple more items to the board. If you've checked it out at CryptoTalkRadio.net of things that are coming. I'm going to be working on those pretty steadily on a regular basis because I want to make sure there's a lot I need to add and there's a lot of things I want to do. This new endeavor I'm doing opens the opportunity to grow the brand. And I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on casual talk radio. And I'm going to be circling back on the move of crypto talk radio to the new host. The plant tentative plan is this next weekend, not this weekend, but the next weekend following this. So just before the second, I'm going to take another stab at moving the podcast to the new host. Now, the problem is I need to still have you have the access to the notification function. I'm still working the fine points on that one. Once I get that solved and I'm probably going to, have to use a different vendor or I may keep Substack just for that. Once I get that solved, I'm good to go to go ahead and do the move. I will let you know on an out of cycle update. Hey, this is going to go ahead and move on this date and you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed through CryptoTalkRadio.net with the widget so that you get any updates or alerts about what's happening, what's going to happen in the future. So I am revisiting that because I, I'm firmly committed to getting to the new host. I think the new host is going to help me take the podcast to the next level. Frankly, I'm confident, have no concerns on that. Other internal news, uh, Rumble, the new uh, video platform I mentioned that we're on now already has pretty good engagement going on, which surprised me, but there's quite a few people there that are interested in the type of coverage that we do. Of course, to remind and for note those that are new to the show, we're already on YouTube and it has snippets of the different covers that we do. And then there's some exclusives that are on YouTube. So for example, we just did a coverage on ETH jets. The full episode was on the podcast. YouTube has snippets and it's broken out into parts and they have to wait to get the full audio. Whereas you guys on the full podcast get the full audio before they do. That's by design because I feel like the podcast group, basically you were there first. The YouTube came afterwards and I want to accommodate the YouTube because I think that appetite is for bite-sized information rather than 30 minutes or whatnot. So I'm trying to slim down the episode length. Well, the thing is YouTube is only one provider. There are tons of video providers and the goal is to expand to multiple of them. So Rumble was the second. Rumble is a copy, literal copy of what's on YouTube. So when I upload to YouTube, Rumble goes out and it pulls down a copy. 
so that it's in two places without any extra work. Rumble also offers some monetization options automatically. Those haven't been turned on yet, but there's an option to make some money to help the show. In the future, I'm going to be looking into Vimeo because I want to just be aware if that's even a viable option and worth the time. Hulu, I want to see if that's worth the time. Uh, Parlor is on deck. I haven't made a decision on that one. If I want to do that and SoundCloud. So I'm looking at all these different outlets as different platforms to increase the exposure and awareness of what we're doing and get more people signed up uh, to the show because we believe that the coverage that we do can help and benefit a lot more people. We just need to find them and make sure that they know how to find us. Now I'd like to cover a couple of token projects really quickly. These aren't news. These aren't, I mean, some of them are underdogs, but it's really just kind of revisiting some tokens. I'm trying to keep the episode somewhat slim as I'm working past all my chaos that I'm dealing right now. And it's hot as all get out. So I'm trying to minimize how much time I'm sitting in this room, but I will be back. I guarantee you next week with a full length episode with uh, underdog token that I do have on deck and the news and everything else. Just today, it's going to be a little bit slipstream because it's a lot going on. So let's go down the list here. SHIB, Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu has been working to try to introduce more mechanics to burn the supply. And you've heard me say, I think it's futile because there's just too much and they're not actively doing what they really should do, which is to do a more aggressive burn. They were trying to build burn mechanics and then games and all this other garbage. The current hype is around the metaverse. They built this whole metaverse thing that looks like Dogs, if you know what that is from the, from the 3DS world. None of it's going to, it's not going to move the needle, in my opinion. And I think they're wasting time, to be quite honest and frank with you. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to jump on the hype to get engagement to burn the token supply. I think it's a waste of time. I don't know what it's going to take to get somebody to convince them. Look, just do what you keep fighting and why do you keep fighting it? It almost concerns me as to why they're so resistant to do what they what the communities wanted them to do. I don't know what that's all about. I can't speak on it, but all I can tell you is that I don't believe that what they're talking about is going to move the needle. And I think it's a waste of people's time. That's how I feel about it. I say that as of somebody who holds a small bag of SHIB, I do have a small bag still left because I have a little bit that's in Shiba swap. It's not worth much. And then I've got uh, a small bag in one of my wallets. So I'm not saying that as somebody outside, I do have a small bag. I just, it's like, okay, (laughs) this should be worth more than it is. Satama, I said that I did a state of Satama on YouTube. I'm not going to waste your time with the deep innards of what I said. I'll just summarize it like this. I hold a small bag of Satama. I had sold off profit when it rose and then I had a bag when it was starting to fall, but not a big bag. And then I sold off what I had when it was due some jumps, sold off until it wasn't worth much. And then what I started doing is mining with unminable.com to add more Satama to the wallet in anticipation of a potential miracle, frankly. Uh, and so I just kind of let the, the community know, I mean, I believe that Satama is going to keep on struggling and failing until they address it with the leadership because the leadership just doesn't know what they're doing. And I would love to help them, but they're going to have to come out of their shell, stop going on the softball AMAs come on a show like mine and let me hit them with hard questions. If you heard me in my go through with ETH Jets, the difference there is ETH Jets is not 
out yet. It's not a thing yet. They're still in the planning phases. So I was able to ask these questions about what they've been thinking about. But at no point was I soft on it. It's like, look, I want to make sure I can make the numbers work on this. Same thing with Satama. I got to make sure things work and it needs to be a straight up explanation. And Nick did a great job in explaining and answering the question straight up. He didn't give fluff answers on hardly anything. And that's what I want to hear from these projects is to come on the show and face the hard questions. I'm not going to softball you. You got to make it make sense to me, to my dissatisfaction. I say the same thing about the cult or the, uh, the car salesman over on SafeMove. And I, I think that Satama should come on neutral platforms like mine and take hard questions because that's, I think, what's missing that I think the investors really would like. I know there's some that are just the diehards and they're not going to let go, but I do think that deep down, they want to hear their leader challenged. They just don't want to admit it. That's my opinion. And I think in, until they either get rid of that person or that person's willing to t- face the smoke, the project's never going to go anywhere. And that's unfortunate, my opinion. Safe Moon, if you have not, if you're not on social media, so there's a video swirling around about Safe Moon. And I covered Safe Moon at Q4 of last year. You can go back in the archives and just listen to my coverage. But let me summarize what I said. I was seeing that there was weird behavior with their chart. Like it seemed like the, the chart just didn't make any sense. And then they were changing the V, I think it was V1 to V2. And they changed the tax and there was weird liquidity things and the price was crapping out and all these things were happening that I couldn't directly explain, but it felt like a pump and dump. And I made the analogy to a game called Death Stranding where there's a scene and there's these troops and they're slogging through something and they're struggling. And that's why I made the analogy, this so-called safe moon army feels like they're just battling, they're fighting, and I couldn't attribute why. So this video is circling around social media now. It came out three days ago-ish, and the guy's name is CoffeeZilla, and what he do, he does a really good job in the digital video section. He has a lot of creativeness in his video. Basically, the backdrop is him in some kind of a futuristic bar, and he's first talking to a robot, and then he's you know talking to you, and he's got a green screen effect and the whole nine, but it's really well done. And he had done analysis over the last year about SafeMoon, and he came up with some really compelling data that seems to imply that SafeMoon is a very elaborate fraud perpetrated by like two or three people over time. And that the the SafeMoon army, quote unquote, is oblivious to it, either willfully or not, but they're oblivious to this and that tons of money has just been stolen from these people. And so he brings up a very compelling argument and the data is pretty substantial that he's collected over time. It's hard, a lot of it's hard to prove, but he has internal kind of quote testimony from people that work there or worked with these people and it's worth the watch. So if you check in YouTube, if you look for the name CoffeeZilla all run together, you should run into his channel. He has like a million subs, so he's going to probably come up top and it's one of his most recent videos. The next video he plans to have involves one of the people who were accused of this elaborate fraud, him talking directly to this person on the phone. Very compelling stuff. I do encourage you to check it out. So if you weren't on, if you were at least even interested in Safe Moon at any point, I do recommend you check it out because it's very compelling stuff, this. Because I was also, I actually made the analogy some time ago. I think this was December where I said that the, because there's like lawsuits and FBI investigations and all this stuff around Safe Moon. And I said that the outcome of this investigation that people were doing in a Safe Moon could not, maybe not bode well for Satama. Because a lot of the same things were happening with the exception of the migration. The migration plays a big part in how the money was shifted. 
It's very compelling. He does a great job breaking it down. I do recommend you check it out. And if you're on the Satama side, it's something to be thinking about because although there wasn't a migration or a move, there's obviously a lot of money shifting and now we're seeing a lot of money draining and it's got to cause questions in your mind, which is why I keep saying that we have to address it with the leadership and get them out of the way or they have to face the tough questions so we can get some resolution so we can make the project succeed. So that's safe move. The other one is Everrise. I covered Everrise on a previous episode and Everrise is getting more exposure now. I actually had somebody chime in on YouTube and he said the only reason he even knew about Everrise is because of Chainlink, which is a different deal. And there's a partnership between Chainlink and Everrise and that's the only way this guy knew Everrise was even a thing. Even though Everrise has all these magical utilities, which is nuts, nobody even knows about it. Nobody knows how great it is or the kind of hard work that they're doing. And so Everrise is starting to get a little bit more exposure now. More tokens are getting on board with Everswap. Some of them are getting on to Everlock. A lot of them are starting to use Evermigrate. So they're starting to use these crypto utilities, which is good. This is good for the crypto business to see more tokens that are willing to embrace strong utility and stand out in a crowd. The only thing missing then is for them to put their face and their name and everything else. I was listening to Believes' one of Believes' updates and he was talking about doxing and there's a project that they're following, his community's following. I think it's called Phantom something or other. I haven't seen it, didn't know anything about it. But some of the people were complaining that the guys aren't doxed and Believes was basically making the case that dox doesn't do you any good. If you heard me, I said the same thing. Dox doesn't really do any good. Like if we think of the car salesman on Seifu, he's fully doxed. It didn't stop him from rugging three projects. So, you know, it's, it's, he has a good point that doxing doesn't really do much of anything. However, where I deviate slightly is I do think that every project should have your face and your name and ideally a LinkedIn profile listed on the site. Now, here's a good reason why I think that's so important goes to another update I had on Binance Smart Chain. There was a token that was launched way back in March and they ironically called it Bitcoin. And they even went to the extreme of putting it lowercase. Well, this company, it's clearly a Chinese company, a bunch of people. They spun this up and then they took the existing Bitcoin site and they copied it and then they translated it into Chinese for just all the tech stuff. But then they took a, a screenshot of the existing American, like there's some American and some, I think UK, but predominantly American team that's behind the Bitcoin foundation. And they screenshot these people on this ghetto copy website. And then they published this Binance deal. Then they started shilling it across various forms of social media. And the thing started pumping today. Unreasonable levels of pump. I ran it through market move because I was pretty sure what I would find. And lo and behold, yes, it's a honeypot. But there's like 9,000 people in this thing. But goes to, this is the point I'm saying. That's why I want a face and a name because just seeing that, okay, you just copied this face and name from Bitcoin site over here. Obviously, you know, it's a scam because you're not showing your own. And if you don't show anything at all, you have no way of knowing at all. You have nothing to trace it back. So I will maintain that I do think every project should put their face and their name and ideally a LinkedIn profile on their website because it's another way, yet another way to vet and verify whether a token is really worth that time and smoke and energy, or if it's really just a scam. That's the reason why is that right there. On the other one, this uh, business on Meta Cloud. Now, I don't remember if I did Meta Cloud on the podcast, but Meta Cloud. So the project on Meta Cloud has some strong players behind it. 
and I see some issues with the project, but it has very strong players behind it, and it seems like lofty goals like Satama. And I was skeptical about what they're doing because of the way they did the pre-sale. I looked a little bit deeper. The pre-sale and the way they're handling the pre-sale, I think is going to tank the project, just like Open Stream World, which I covered some time ago. That may have been YouTube only. But I covered a token called Open Stream World. They initially didn't release the tokens from pre-sale. Then they decided they would release it on a vesting. So you can only take out like 10% of the tokens every month. And when they changed it up front, the tokens price crapped. And so now it's in the garbage and people dumped it and it's never recovered. So even though you got all these tokens, they're sitting there losing value and you can't do anything about it. I think this Meta Cloud is going to be the same thing. Same thing that happened with Crypto Vault and many others where what they're trying to do now is they're trying to preserve the value of the token when there's a pre-sale. And the issue is that, which we believe had mentioned on his show with this com- community, there's a, there's a fallacy in crypto communities that hold, 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 right? That's the narrative. That's what you're told. Hold, hold, hold. Here's the f- facts. People are going to do what they're going to do. If they're going to hold, if they're going to trade, if they're going to dump, whatever, they're going to do what they're going to do. I've said I don't agree with anti-well mechanics either. I think people should be allowed to do whatever they're going to do. And I think it's up to the project to do what they need to do to make sure that the people are enticed enough not to dump on your project. So we're having this conversation about these unfortunately influencers who had bought into their project. And some of them, apparently one of the influencers, his name's Rodney. He's pretty popular in the crypto space. Apparently, he hadn't gotten paid for his shield service. I don't know what the totality of his shield service involved. I don't know if it was just AMA or if it was True Shield or what it was. All I heard is that he hadn't gotten paid. So all of his buddies, apparently he had enticed some buddies. This is what I'm reading. He had enticed some buddies to buy into the project and the pretty big money coming in. And then those buddies threatened to dump out because Rodney hadn't gotten paid. And so people are up in arms. The community are really upset because they're like, well, why would you do that to other investors? And ultimately, there's two thoughts of process here. It's like, number one, they can do whatever they're going to do with their money. But number two, if that token approached Rodney and asked him to shill for them and they agreed to make a payment and they didn't pay him, they only got themselves to blame. However, here's the thing. If it turns out that they did not, that they did not agree to pay him, like maybe he just unsolicited approached them. If I were advising Rodney and I knew that he did not, he provided services and did not invoice them before providing services, like if he didn't do what he was supposed to do to make sure he got paid, that's on him and shame on him for allowing if they're truly his buddies to dump on a project for something where he dropped the ball. This is, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the crypto bubble, by the way, and let's take the rest of this episode. Cause it'll be short to talk about the crypto bubble. You heard me use that term so many times, the crypto bubble. This is a perfect example of crypto bubble. The crypto bubble is one where there's blind trust. It's one where there's blind faith. It's one where there's a lack of due diligence. It's one where there's lack of research. It's one where we don't hold people accountable. That's the crypto bubble. When I say crypto bubble, that's what you see. It's indicative of if Rodney 
provided service without getting payment first. That's a crypto bubble failure of his. And if I were advising him, I'd have frankly slapped him because it, it, you have to behave like a business. Like even if you're a, an influencer, whatever, you got to behave like a business. There are certain business fundamentals. And the fact that he did that is appalling because it tells me he's not taking business courses or if he has, he didn't do very good at him, right? There's certain fundamentals. Number one, I don't provide any service unless I've agreed to in advance that it's free. But if it's to be a paid service, you're going to pay me before I offer that service unless it's in the contract that you're going to pay me contingent on the service and there needs to be a contract. So it's one of the two. It's either I'm going to invoice you and you pay me up front, could be a partial, could be a full, or we have a contract so I can come out to you later if you don't pay me for the service. It sounds like neither was in place and that's crypto bubble 101. Why would you not hold put something in place and I'm assuming that he's probably dealt with so many token projects that were quote good for it that he was not holding fast and you you cannot do that. I'm I'm sorry, you cannot do that. To the point that if and and Blee's even mentioned that he doesn't do it religiously either and and that shocks me. That shocks me. It's I understand the desire and the need to build relationships and all that. That's cool, but business is business. And to believes, it's like he even said, look, it's a business. I'm here to, to make so much money, I don't need to work anymore. Okay, part of that is to hold and not trust. <laughs> because business is all about, it's not about trusting. Business is business. We know that. So I don't know why you wouldn't require, it's just mind-boggling to me. And I'm trying to think if there's ever in my other consulting businesses that ever been a time, and the answer is no, that have ever agreed to do work without at least a contract in place, committing them to pay me. So I could sue them if they didn't pay me. Or I would basically require payment up front. As I'll give you a good example. We did an ad run. It's called a host red ad. This was on, uh, yeah, it was on Crypto Talk Radio. Predominantly on YouTube, but it was a little bit on the podcast. You probably didn't even notice it because of the way I did it. I did it so that it did not come across as an ad. I did it so it came across as me talking to you about, you know, this new thing that this person had and brought to my attention. So I introduced that into the audio because I wanted you to hear about it. I thought it was a good product. However, I didn't even consider doing it until the person paid me first. They had to pay me first. We made an agreement that I would do it and this is how I'm going to do it. And here's when I'm going to do it so we could hear it. And everything was fine. But I collected money up front. And then on YouTube, I marked it to say, for this, I collected money to say to say this to you guys. But money came first. like that. And, and there's a hard fast. He got a receipt off of it. I gave him an, an invoice. He had to sign off on a thing. There's an insertion agreement. Like I have like five levels of accountability that he would have had to go through just for me to read three or four sentences about his book. This is what I'm talking about. And the thing is, that was the first time I'd ever done that for any of the shows. But I already knew I had to do it because it's I don't trust when somebody wants me to give any of my time that I didn't proactively select. No, I'm not going to just do it and cross my fingers. I'm going to cover my tail four or five ways to Sunday. To wit, the partnership that I was talking about, they came back and said, we're going to chew it out and think about it and we'll get back to you if it's something we want to move forward with. If they move forward, the first thing we started with was my terms and conditions. They said, okay, let's see your prices. 
I gave them my price sheet. My prices are still lower than anybody else in the business, but my prices also compel them to certain things. One of those things is they have to communicate with me on a regular basis. We have to do video chats. There's not this telescam. We have to talk over video. That's to protect them so that I'm giving them correct information and it's to protect you because it means I've actually seen them. I've actually vetted them to avoid what happened with Satama and Suzuki. This is a basic due diligence thing though, right? It's like I see so many tokens and so many influencers and so many people that don't follow the fundamentals of business that it's like, no, you should be skeptical. You should not go in trusting. You should be skeptical until they earn your trust. After they earn your trust, maybe you cut them a break the next time around. Like anybody that's been a guest on the show, they have to sign a release form that says, I control the audio that we record because you're on my show. I don't need to have them do it again if they come back on the show because we already have that agreement and already have that understanding. When I have, I need to reach out to my guest from Casual Talk Radio who has an interest in NFTs and have ideally have her on Crypto Talk Radio to talk about her NFT projects and dig a little bit more in the NFT side. In that one, we've already built that relationship that I can contact her person that does the scheduling and ideally get her on the show and then go for it from there. I don't have to put her through the hoops again because we've already gone there. However, up front, the first time I interact with somebody, yes, I'm going to be collecting all sorts of documentation. And to me, it's unthinkable that you wouldn't do that. This is how we get into these projects that they either they make bad decisions like they're like if I take Volt, right? Volt Inu, which I, I know they're trying to drop the Inu at some point, but right now it's Volt Inu. So Volt Inu, Volt Inu launches. It has an ungodly number of zeros. The, the supply is too high. I called it out. I said it's too darn high and I can't support this. Same with Dozilla, same with uh, Shaman King, same with OCCT. All these ones have too much supply. And I've adamantly said it's too much supply. I'm not saying it's a bad project. It's just too much supply. Multiple people are supporting Volt, right? And they think it's a good pe- good team, good community. I'm, I'm not saying it is or isn't at that time. I just said the supply, I, I can't work with it. And there's other things. Like I didn't like the, the lack of visibility of the people, faces, names. What I was told later is the head guy apparently refuses to dox. Some people think that's absolutely unacceptable. I would agree with that. I don't think it's about doxing, but I am a fan of having the face and the name and the LinkedIn profile. So we know who it is that we're dealing with. Fast forward and then Volt does a migration. Not only do they do a migration, the migration's painful and I don't like it, but they do it through EverMigrate, which is part of EverRise, which I think is good because that takes time. It takes investment and they constrain the supply, so that's good, but they do it in a way that keeps the reflections. If you go back to my episode where I was talking about Paratoken, Paratoken, they they were doing a migration every month it seemed, they just couldn't get their act together. And then the latest migration, they cut off reflections and they didn't need to. And so I eventually sold all my tokens off. With Volt, they were able to constrain the inventory which resolves the supply concern I had and they kept the reflections. Well, now the graph is just growing. It's It's got strong support and it's got a very organic community and it didn't need to get rid of the benefits that it launched with. So that gives me more confidence in them as a community. Now I still have the same concerns about, I think you should show your face and your name. I always will feel that way and I don't care who says otherwise, it's sketchy that you didn't want to do that. But I can give more confidence in them than somebody like Paratoken because they're willing to keep the benefits that they promise. Even though influencers are pushing Volt, they're backing it up, the token, they're backing it up with performance. They're backing it up by doing the right things, getting on Ever Migrate to help migration assistance. Where they went wrong there 
is communication. They suck, Volt, they suck at communicating that they were doing it and how to do it and the process and everything else. So you had a lot of people who missed the boat on the migration because of the way that they did it. Because if you heard me on multiple tokens, I've said that you need to keep your website up to date. Volt sucked at that, frankly. They had the old contract address all the way up to the nth minute, and that's a joke to me. So Volt's not perfect either. They're making these basic mistakes, silly mistakes, but at least they're listening in some of this feedback, like the supply, for example. And despite having the influencers helping them, they're at least trying to back up, keeping it a strong project and keeping a positive velocity. And that's what I wanted to see from Satama. That's what I wanted to see from Paratoken. That's what I wanted to see from some of these other ones that I don't see. So with the influencer group now, influencers in general, now they're shifting projects. Now Wagme's becoming a thing and all these other ones. And I don't follow a lot of what the other influencers generally follow. I'm still looking for fundamental basic things because I still believe that games, anime, general NFTs that don't have utility, I believe that those are going to be lesser appreciated as time goes by. I think we're going to be looking more for the utility type projects that are outside the crypto bubble. So the crypto bubble I'm describing is you're doing something that appeals to those that aren't already in crypto, right? And I don't think that any of the ones that we're talking about have achieved that yet, including Satama. Satama might want to. I don't think that they've succeeded. Whether they'll get there or not remains to be seen. I don't think SHIB's done it. I don't think Doge has done it. I arguably don't think Bitcoin's done it. I don't think anybody's really done that. ETH Jets is working on something that would. It is something that directly solves a problem outside the crypto bubble. Libero, which I haven't talked about in a while, and there's a reason for this. Libero solves a problem outside the crypto bubble, but the problem is they don't know how to communicate it to people outside the crypto bubble. I actually had somebody say that Libero's too confusing. It actually isn't, but they've made layers and some of the layers I think are, are or tend to be confusing if you're not staring at it all the time. So I put a video out to try to simplify it down, try to help them out because I do believe that Libero solves a problem outside the bubble. That being passive wealth. It has the potential to give you passive wealth. Other projects can do it, but not to the degree that Libero potentially could. Does that mean that Libero is going to succeed? I have no idea. At this point, I don't know which project is or isn't going to succeed. It's hard to tell because the whole game has changed. What we see that's popular or not popular or failing or not failing has changed. What we do know, there's one constant that we do know, folks. And I want to emphasize this for those listening. We will never have another Shiba Inu. And I want to make sure that's clear. There will never be another Shiba Inu. No token will ever do what SHIB did again. For multiple reasons. Cheems is not going to do it, could not do it, cannot do it. Satama cannot do it because it's already failed at the point that it could have. It was on the route to, but then they failed going the wrong direction. And I broke that down on the YouTube if you want to follow what I, my logic was on that one. I think Volt has a strong potential, but I don't think that it's going to get as close in terms of the worldwide exposure that SHIB did. I don't believe that. There's so many projects out there that are successful at a different level. And I'm simply saying that none of them are going to do what SHIB was able to do in the timeline that SHIB was able to do it. Even SHIB itself is struggling to do what it once was able to do. The reason that I adamantly believe this is the case, 
and why I think it's harder for many tokens to hit that pinnacle of success now like they could have before has less to do with things like tokenomics and more to do with the optics of the crypto business. Crypto, cryptocurrency in general. You're dealing with so many different factors that people are now being inundated with. First of all, you've got cryptos like Bitcoin that are ubiquitous even there crashing at points. So now you have this volatility that makes people nervous. You have a, a crypto that, that was priced at 60000 a coin and it crashes to 30000 a coin at a point. And we expect it's going to go back up, but then we know it's going to crash again. The volatility, that's a lot of volatility. If you think of the stock market, you don't have that kind of volatility for multiple reasons. So that's one, volatility of assets. It's just a volatile space. Two, the amount of rug pulls, honeypots, exit scams, startup scams, pre-sale scams. There's all these different scams that are making people sketchy about cryptocurrency. Rightfully so. Nobody knows what to trust. And we can say... Which developer is doing what you want them to do, but that takes time. So I keep having to field complaints on YouTube because I've said that I think Libero right now has long-term potential. I don't think Seifu has long-term potential and people are screaming that it's successful and it's too early. It's only been out for three months. Three months is nowhere near long enough for any project. So we don't know. We suspect. We don't know. They could very well crap out. We just saw SafeMoon that's been around forever and it's just now getting to the point of crapping out. So we don't know, and there's so much sketchiness in the crypto space, it's just getting harder and harder to really identify which project is truly worth your time. Then you talk about the network sprawl. You got Bitcoin's network itself, Arbitrum. You've got Ethereum's network, and there's multiple of those. You've got Tron, you've got Polygon, you've got AVAX, Phantom, uh, Kronos. You've got all these different networks. So that, that throws a wrench in things. Not because the networks are there, but because there's not a wallet that's managed to simplify getting on board with these different networks. And none of the projects seem to want to tackle that smoke. Like I'm talking about something where I can open a thing. I'll, I'll describe it. I had a director who was a boss one time and this is how she would talk. I want to open a thing and then say search and I want to search across every network and say and show me the graph price movement, current price, and even make a swag guess at to where it's going to go. And then I want to hit a thing and then say, how much money you want to put on that? And I say 50 bucks and it'll automatically do what it needs to do. And then add it to the wallet automatically for me. And if it's DeFi, like a Shiba swap, when I say DeFi, it'll say, hey, this token has this utility over here. Here's what it does. Do you want to invest in it? I say, yes. It takes me to a streamlined version, a simplified version of that same, and I can choose to do the DeFi. That's a lofty vision, but it's the only way you're going to get true adoption in cryptocurrency is to simplify down sprawl. So you've got the volatility aspect, you've got network sprawl, and you've got the fact that no wallet has been able to solve for the sprawl and simplify things down. But also you have the president of the United States who every time there's green candles in cryptocurrency, he goes up and says something that I believe, in my opinion, is purpose built to crash cryptocurrency and keep it down because we didn't see this level of significant volatility and bear activity when the 
President Trump was in office. We didn't see it because he wasn't talking about it to this degree. He wasn't going up there talking about, well, I need to do an executive order on this. He wasn't doing that crap. You didn't have Janet Yellen talking about lock, 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 lock down. And you didn't have the Treasury talking about lock, lock, lock that and down. And IRS talking about tax, tax, tax. There was, there was chatter, but nowhere near to the degree that we see now. This is all under Biden's command. And so to me, you have people who are sketchy and they're nervous and they're not sure if they should put any money into this cryptocurrency thing until this all gets sorted and we figure out what we're doing. Anybody who understands the United States government, as I do, knows that they take forever to make decisions. And so you can't be held hostage to indecision. You kind of have to make a decision for yourself, whether that's to invest or not invest, and then just be okay with that decision long term. My decision has always been, if I see something that looks decent, I'll take a look at it. I might invest a little bit of money. It's never money that I can, you know, can't live without. It's always throwaway money. And then I just watch it. Does that mean I miss out on becoming rich? Absolutely. I could have become a millionaire off of Libro if I had gone more into it, (laughs) but I chose not to because I wasn't sure. I'm still not sure on that one. I would argue, same with Satama. I could have been wealthy off Satama if I had dumped more money in October when it was at the super peak, but I knew that it was unsustainable. It's a bubble, right? I knew that there's something wrong and I wasn't willing to take that risk. There are certainly gamblers listening to my show and I understand And I respect your right to be gamblers. I'm describing my situation and what I think outside of the crypto bubble that I'm describing. People are looking in from outside and they're seeing volatility. They're seeing this sprawl and confusing network layouts. They're seeing there's not a single tool that just dumbs it down for them. And then also all the exchanges that what happened with Gate.io, you get on exchange, you're trading perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden one day, all right, we're going to shut down for you guys in the United States because we don't know that we're going to do those regs. Do, do, do. And then now you're now what do you need to do? You're scrambling to deal with your money. I think they're looking at this and they're realizing, OK, we don't really have an answer and we don't know. And because we don't know, they're not confident leaving their stuff, you know, steady state. And I think that's going to turn away potential investors. And the less we can get more people again, we're still less than 10 percent of the world in cryptocurrency. That means there's a huge untapped potential. We're not going to get that potential on board until we fix the underlying issues of cryptocurrency. When I talk about things like Satama and you got the issues over there that are easy to fix if you get the community, the the cult mentality of the thing, or Seifu where they're in blatant denial about the car salesman, right? You see all these projects and there's just this blind faith because they're so desperate. That's not what, outside the crypto bubble, that's not what they want to see. They want to see strong fundamentals. They want to see that it makes sense to everybody. They want to see that it's mainstream. They want to see that there's search engine capabilities. They want to see that they're using social media correctly. They don't use telescam outside of China and Japan. Predominantly, others use it because you're forced to. Until we get to a point where we are accepting and embracing the norms of things instead of still acting like we're underground. Because that's what we're doing. We're acting like we're underground. And I believe outside the bubble, that's turning people off. The more we turn off, the less money comes in. The less money comes in, the tokens fail because they can't sustain without new money. And that's always been my point. And that's the complaint I have with Satama. The complaint I have with Libero right now and all these other ones that are trying to act underground. We can't act underground. I understand there's that fear of regulation. I don't think you can let it hold you back. You've got to kind of do something to move something forward if you're going to move the needle or we need to do what Mr. Sagala said when I had him as a guest on the show 
and get back to the fundamentals of what crypto was initially envisioned to be, which is that it is its own measure of currency without a reliance on the United States dollar or gold or anything else. Or we need to peg it to these rare metals so that we have some control and and value that we can attribute to it that is not subject to the whims of a liquidity pool, right? So there's a lot of work needs to be done in cryptocurrency. And that's part of the reason I wanted to keep a shorter episode today because I needed to get this kind of off the chest and just say, put it out there. And I didn't want to bore you, frankly, with a underdog token knowing that I had a lot to do with my endeavor that I'm doing sign contract. But I did want to leave the message about where I see that things are going wrong in cryptocurrency. And yes, I do blame the current Biden administration for part of it. But I do think that the crypto industry all the people that are doing it from tokens to investors to exchanges, we got to stop acting like it's underground. We got to stop acting like it's a secret thing. We got to stop acting like it's in the hiding and we need to make a decision about what we want to do with it. Because as long as people are sketchy about investing in this stuff, it's never going to move forward. And there's so much potential out there, not even from a profit perspective, but just a rethink about what currency means and value means and inflation. And how do we get ahead of what we see the Biden administration is causing in the inflation that's being imposed upon us? Because all of that has a downstream effect on other countries because they normally peg their currency against the United States dollar. So how can we decouple that and take our own independence and create our own generational wealth to benefit not just us, but those that come after us? And I think that's what everybody's missing the idea of in a perfect situation. And I know there's a lot of work to what I'm not just. It's more, it's harder than what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think we should at least start looking at why we have not started doing these things is all I'm saying. So that's all I got for you on today's episode. I just got a flurry of emails about this uh, endeavor. Um, He's going to be following up to uh, move this thing along. He thinks that probably Monday we should be getting some forward traction. Now that the agreement's signed, I'm past, not the worst of it, but I'm past the most time consuming part of it at this point. But We're still waiting on the third party. And once the third party comes in and says, yep, we're good to go, we're done. At that point, May 2nd is going to be the first date where the new endeavor is going to start. And it's a very exciting thing that I'm going to be doing. It's not related to the podcast directly, but it benefits the podcast. So I'm going to be kind of feet first jumping in that. And then I'll keep you guys up to date on how that's going. My big picture, now that I have a good sense of the projects for my portfolio that make the best sense, now that I see that, hey, look, these projects that I have in my wallet today, I don't anticipate needing to sell them. They're taking good care of me. Now this new endeavor allows me to really cultivate them and give you more as far as the podcast and my delivery. I can give you more. I always want to give more because I believe you deserve more. The reason I keep doing this the way I'm doing it is not for profit reasons. I've been doing this now since October, not for profit, period. I have tip availability. I have support availability. I don't push it. I don't need to. If you want to do it, you'll do it. But I always want to give you more and I always want to increase the quality and step up the game because I believe you deserve nothing but the best, better than all the rest. That's how I am. So I'll check in with you guys next week now because we're at Thursday. Yes, we are. Next week on 26th, I will be back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, Basic Cryptonomics with an underdog token. I actually have the one in mind that I want to cover. 
I do encourage you check us out our site cryptotalkradio.net and please do share it out if anybody would benefit from the information or the style of delivery that we give we try very hard to remain neutral and centered but at the same time we are foundational we believe in the business side of things and we don't we're not going to be the to the moon type we're not going to do that because we think it's a disservice to you we want you to be educated we want you to be informed we want you to be strengthened by the information we give at the same time, we value your feedback. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or feedback, CryptoTalkRadio.net, scroll down to the bottom. There's a widget for comments. Hit that little button. It's a forum. Fill it out. We read all of that, and we appreciate any feedback that you offer. We've already received some, and we act where we can. We're evolving every day. Every day we're doing something new to try to take it to the next level because we think we're onto something here. And once I get this endeavor up, off, and running, you're going to see the evolution of what I'm talking about. It's going to be even better, as I, especially with 2022. And hopefully in November, if we get the blowout that we're expecting, we get smart people in office. I can guarantee you I'm putting my all into this because I enjoy providing this information to you guys. Once again, thank you for taking time to listen to me. I know you have a lot of choices. I'll check in with you guys on Tuesday, 26th.